Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Some people think God is a big boogeyman up there looking to smash the bad people. Like he can't wait to just whack them and lightning bolt them and get them, you know. But that's not the picture we get when you really study scripture. God is saying here, look, I'm putting you guys in place, priest. So you can intercede for them and share with them and offer sacrifices for them when they mess up so that I don't have to get them. Levite, you're going to take care of all the practical things so that everybody can be in the right place. Things can be the way I want them so that I don't have to pour out my wrath. Ultimately, our God is love. Everything that we hear about him, everything we read about him must be filtered through that truth. Yes, hell exists, but God did everything he could to keep you from it. He even sacrificed his own son so that you could be forgiven and enter into his presence freely. In his love for you, he did not hold anything back that could erase the gap between you and him. Pastor Bill shows us the grace of God at work in the Old Testament today. Come see the Father's great love for you. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 18 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. If you were to judge him by his his look, you would have said, I didn't want to hear about this. But as soon as I opened up the conversation, he stayed there for another 10, 15 minutes and spoke with me, listened to everything I had to say, took a invite. I found out that, you know, his, his hand was broken. He just had a fight yesterday. Um, you know, and I'm like, yeah, man, you know, <laughs> you really want to, you really need to get saved quick. You know, you're not going to be here long, you know, over here running that game, you know, and it just reminded me there as I was talking to him, I was shocked. It wasn't my faith. It was, I was shocked that he was listening and interacting with me in a spiritual way. I'd be honest. I mean, I'm here. There's a part of me that just wanted to just get the money and go like, oh, I made it, <laughs> you know, but just open it up. And it was like, wow, now. This, this person needs what I have. I don't know that he's, you know, now I hope he comes Sunday. If he does, I'll be blessed to see him there. But I don't know that he's going in a church often, you know. And so there are people all around us that God is saying, get out there, you know. And it's exciting. It's, you know, you may take some risk. You may be a little scared or a little nervous, but it's exciting to get out there and just God, I'm speaking to him on your behalf, right? You love this guy. You care about him. You want to save him. And I don't know if anybody else is telling him the gospel. I don't know who else in his life that knows you. And so right now I'm here. Let me tell him. And um, I, w- I walked away encouraged. I was super blessed walking away from that interaction. It could have been, a, you know, something I could have missed out on it. I'm sure I've missed out on opportunities like that before. So I'm not, I don't want to be boasting like I always get it right. I don't. But it felt really good. There's a sense when you're, again, when you're cooperating with God, it's like, man, I'm not doing a natural thing right now. God's working with me. These are his words. He's ministering right now. Everything I'm saying with this guy right now, when I leave, is supernatural. It'll be God can continue to work on that. You know, so I encourage all of us that we would get involved in that process and step out of your comfort zone and share the gospel. Pray with some folk that need to see and just see what God does. You know, it's always a blessing when we do that. So moving on. Look at verse three. It says. They shall attend to your needs. Speaking of the Levites told them, you know, bring the Levites with you also. The sons of Levi says, verse three, they shall attend to your needs and all the needs of the tabernacle, but they shall not come near the articles of the sanctuary and the altar, lest they die. They and you also. So there's some holy parameters. God said the Levites, their job is different than the priests. 
The priest is going to be touching certain articles. They're going to go into the holy place when they're supposed to. But the Levite, their job's different. In, in our vernacular today, we might tell somebody, you need to stay in your lane. Well, God is saying, look, priest, this is your job. Levite, this is your job. These are God-ordained tasks. This is what I've called you to do. Don't worry about what they're doing over the fence. Worry about what I called you to do. And sometimes we have that issue in the body of Christ where because people aren't doing what they're called to do, you know what happens when you're not doing what you're called to do? You become a spectator at what everybody else is doing and you start nipping at folks. You know, I don't know if we got any guys here that do this, but I know some guys will sit there at a game and, or sit in front of the TV and they'll, they'll critique everything. You know, it's like, I mean, they, they ain't played in 40 years. But they'll they'll critique the whole. You get you move you slow. You just just yelling at the players and everything else. And you know, at sometimes in the spiritual realm, the church becomes like that. It's people that's just sitting there. They ain't doing nothing. They're like, I don't think they should do that like that. And, and I, I don't I don't like how they do that over there neither. And that that's not the way I would do that. But they're not doing a thing. And so you don't want to be that. You don't want to be a spectator. You'd be amazed as you get involved in the work impacts you. You realize the challenges that come along with the work. You realize the warfare when you're doing the work and you're in the midst of the work and you realize when you see somebody having a hard time, you know how to go pray for somebody in the work. And so we want to be careful not to just be spectating that we all have a role, something to do. And we don't want to be looking too long. I, I you know, I got to focus. I've been called to do something and I need to learn how to do it as best I can and grow in it and focus upon it. And everybody else has their thing. And so one thing I would ask you guys here, as clear as the calling for the priest and the calling for the Levite, there's a calling upon your life that's just as clear. Do you know what it is, though? And you, you do, that's something for you to ask yourself. Just like the priest would know I'm, I'm called to be a priest. How do you know? Because I was born by that guy. And according to my bloodline, that's what I am. I know I'm called to be a Levite because I was born through the you know, chain of Levi. I know it just as specific and, you know, as it was as what they were called to be. New Testament saints, there's something we're called to be and to do. As you look into the New Testament, you know, Jesus called Peter and he, he knew right away. Jesus said, Peter, you're going to be a fisher of men. Right. It took a while for him to get there. But he got there. He became a fisher of man. It took some years and it took a whole lot of mess ups and a whole lot of him doing the wrong thing and sometimes getting it right and sometimes getting it wrong. But God said he called it when he saw him. Peter, you're a fisher of men. That's what you're going to be for me. And yep, he had his hiccups, his ups and downs, his falls. But he got there where he became a fisher of men. Three thousand people saved in one sermon. You know, and that was just a, a off the cuff. You know, it wasn't even a planned, a pre-planned message. It was just him speaking up. When something happened, filled with the Holy Spirit, boom, 3,000 people saved. You know, the Lord did his thing. When the Apostle Paul was Saul and God met him on the road of Tarsus and knocked him off his high horse and blinded him and Saul got saved. God told this man, Ananias, I want you to go pray for him. Right. Saul was blinded and he was going to be led by the people that were with him to Ananias. Ananias said, Lord, do you know, he thought the Lord didn't know what he was doing. He said, Lord, do you, do you know this guy You're putting us in jail and killing us? You sure? And this is what the Lord told him. He says, hey, he's a chosen vessel of mine. He's going to preach the gospel before kings and all these different people. And I'm going to show him how much things he must suffer for my name's sake. God knew all that the day he got saved. He just got saved. He's still blind. He don't know. Paul don't know nothing yet. He's not even Paul yet. But God said, I know what I've called you to be. 
You're going to do this for me. You're going to speak to people in high places for me. And he did exactly what God said. So as we look at their lives and it was so clear what God intended for them. Do you believe that God's call upon your life is that clear? That is clear. Just like God said for Paul, I know that I've called them to be this. God, I just got to get them there. I know that I've called Peter to be a fisher of men. Just got to get them there. God's got a plan for you that's just the same. This is the deal. How do we get aware of that information, right? How did Peter figure out that he was to be a fisher of men? Well, one, Jesus told him, so you need to be interacting with the Lord. You need to be speaking to God and listening to the Lord, prayer and the word, being in Bible study like you guys are doing tonight. Just time in his presence where God reveals things to us. That's one thing. The other thing was this. Peter continued walking. It was a it was a progressive thing. He walked with the Lord. For, he walked with God for some years. He had a major mess up where he denied that he even knew the Lord. And he was all bummed out and God had to come back to him and restore him. I mean, there's all these things happen, but he did keep walking with God. When he fell, he got back up. And he eventually got there. And it wasn't a planned thing. It wasn't something he worked really hard to do. One day when the Holy Spirit fell and he was baptized in the Holy Spirit and people were misunderstanding what it was, Peter said, hey, I, I know what it is. This is what was spoken up by the prophet Joel. And he started going. And the Holy Spirit gave him what to say. He preached a message that was cutting and people got saved. Um, as I look at Paul, how did Paul figure out that he was to be this guy to speak to people in high places? He just kept walking with God. He just kept moving forward with the Lord. He didn't, you don't see Paul backsliding for three years, you know, stepping out of the lane for a while. He kept moving forward with the Lord and he had some difficulties, but he made it through it. Believers weren't receiving him. When Paul got saved, it wasn't easy. He got saved. They were like, I don't think you saved, Paul. Uh, you can't come to our church. That's, that was happening. Barnabas had to go with Paul and say, no, he's okay, guys. I'm putting my stamp of approval on my name. Receive Paul. Let him come to church here. That's how bad it was for him in the beginning. But he just kept walking, kept moving forward, and he got where God wanted him to get. My heart's desire for us as a church, as a body of believers, is that we would all get where God's trying to, each of us individually, each of us here have gifts that would glorify God and benefit everybody around you. And we got to know what they are and be faithful to let the Lord use us in that way. When God makes it clear what you're called to be, you want to pursue it like a calling. Right? If God makes it clear that you're to be a pastor, you're to be someone that is proclaiming my word. Then you should be a faithful student of the word. And you should be sowing in the word and preparing your heart that God might use you in that way. God may show you that you're called to teach. Or God may show you that you're called to serve in some way or help in some way. God may stir your heart up for a specific group of people where you say, man, my heart's just burdened for this group of people that need the Lord. And I, I want to either start a ministry that reach out to them or help them. Whatever it is that God puts on your heart. If God keeps putting on your heart, you haven't taken one step or you're not living in such a way that you could take a step. When you find out what your calling is, you're supposed to pursue it because this is what God called me to be. There, there's nothing else for me to do in this life except that right there. That's what I'm called to be. And you need to pursue it with all your heart because um, it'll glorify God. It'll be the most fulfilling thing you can do with your years, weeks, hours and minutes on this earth that you spend them doing that thing God created you to do. Amen. And so these guys have very specific callings and things that God had given them to do. But they also had to stay in their lane. The, the last part of verse four, once again, he told them they're going to be doing all the work of the tabernacle. But he said, but an outsider shall not come near. When he says an outsider shall not come near, he's going, to, he's going to say that one more time. And this is what he's saying, right? The jobs that I'm giving for the Levites and the jobs I'm giving for the priests, these aren't for outsiders, unbelievers. Right. These aren't for those that are, aren't called and aren't a part 
this is just for this group right here. One of the travesties in the ministry and in the church today is the church, especially certain venues of the church, have become very, very entertainment oriented. And so with that, people get raised up because of their talent. And everybody here knows you can have a talent without knowing God, right? Can you be an amazing singer without God? But this is what people would do in those sort of churches. You hear somebody sing and they'll be like, wow, that is, you, that is so anointing. Ooh, that's an anointing on your life to sing. And it's like, oh, you just got a, you just got a jamming voice. That ain't no anointing. You don't even love God. How you anointed? But that's the stuff that we do. Somebody really can play the instrument. Ooh, you, that's an anointing. Ooh, you got to you, you use that here. But use at the club Saturday night. And you're bringing all that stank up in here into the church. And, but that's what's happening in a lot of places. You know, just because someone can do something doesn't mean it's they're called to do it for God. Uh, they're anointed to do it for God. You know, it's, it means that they can do something very well. It'd be great if they would surrender their life to God. But God said, not a, don't bring them outside. They can't come in here and participate in this. And so we try to be very careful in the church. As people come in, um, our first objective when people come in is not to say, hey, what can you do for us? What do you do? What do you sing? Are you smart? You got numbers? You know, it's not what can you do is first, what, what can we, how can we serve you? Hey, what are your needs? Are you a family? Are you a husband and a wife? You got kids? Are you saved? Do you know Jesus yet? Are you struggling with anything that we can walk you through and help you with? It's the agenda number one for the church is God brings people in. As he brings in sheep, the, the shepherds and the pastors and the body to say, hey, who, who are you? How are you doing? Where are you at with Jesus? How do we help you? How do we help you grow there? It's after we belong to the Lord and we were established in him. Then, then we look for, okay, well, now you know the Lord. You're walking with the Lord. Now, what's your gifts? What do you, what do, you do? But it's not the other way around. Somebody walk in. Um, when we were at Warren Lane, I'll never forget it. You guys remember back then, we didn't have a worship team yet at Warren Lane. And so from week to week, we had different people that would volunteer and come and do worship. It was usually always a blessing. But there was one week in particular, and it was, it was a rough worship Sunday, you know, for, as far as the musical aspect of worship, but the person was volunteering and they were being a blessing and, but it was, it was different, it was rough and um, there was a guy that was coming out afterwards, he had came visiting with someone else and he said, hey man you, you need to let me take over the whole worship thing he said, I can come next week, he said man, I, I can have this thing jamming, I got another guy that plays the uh, bass, I got a guy that does this, and does that, you know, we play I said, where else do y'all play? And he's telling me all the places they play and how they just jam it out, man, we had this place, ooh and I'm like, yeah, we good, bro. I, I appreciate the offer, man. But, uh, you know, he was going to, you know, that, that wasn't what we were looking for. You know, we had to hold out and wait for the Lord to do it the right way. We want to be mindful of that in the church. God said, no outsiders. They can't come in here and participate in this. This is set apart. Even in the early church, the issue that they had in Acts 7 was there were widows. And let's say over here, there were all the Jewish widows. Over here, there was a group of women that were, uh, they were Jewish and with Grecian culture, so they called them Hellenists. And the Jews, it was kind of racial. The Jews looked down upon them, you know, like they were a mixed breed, they weren't fully Jewish. So when they were coming to the church, the widows, to receive their food, they, were being, they weren't being treated fairly. So it'd be like the, the church had a food distribution for widows, and you know, one culture of women got big fat bags with extra, you know, extra sauce and some hot sauce and ketchup and some goody, good, good. And another group of women came and they got a little scrawny sandwich bag. That's all we got left for you, girl. You know, and that was, that was happening in the church. And so they said, we got to deal with this. 
These were the qualifications for men that were just going to give food out. Full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, and they, have a, they had to have a good reputation in the body. When I think of serving tables, I almost think that that's a job anybody could do. We need four guys to come and just help get his food out, serve the tables. But God said, no, not in my church. They need to be full of the Holy Spirit. How do you evidence that fruit, full of the Spirit? They need to have a good reputation of the body of Christ here need to be able to say, that's a good guy. Stamp of approval. We all know him and we know that that's a good guy. Full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom that we may appoint over this thing. And so, um, you know, I've had people get mad at me for taking a while or going slow with raising people up or doing things. But I think sometimes that's the best way to do it. I'd rather go slow and get it right than to move fast and have a mess. Because everybody here seen mess before? I've seen mess. I don't want no mess. So I, we'll go real slow. And um, this is a cool thing, right? When you go slow with somebody that's filled with the Holy Spirit, they got patience anyway. So it's going to be all right. It's going to be good. When you go slow and somebody's like, oh, I don't know what's going on. I'm just trying to wait for you. And it's like, oh, so that's why. That's why. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> you know, you, you go back and sit down. <laughs> We'll we, we wait a year, you know. So anyway, back to Numbers 18. Look at verse 5. It said, and you shall attend to the duties of the sanctuary and the duties of the altar, that there may be no wrath on the children of Israel. Priests are going to have their job. Levites, you guys are going to attend to all these, you know, the procedures. You're going to attend to the duties of the altar. You're going to take care of all those things. But then he gave us the reason why it was so that the wrath of God would not, because the wrath of God had been poured out on this group, this group of people because of their disobedience. But he said that there may be no more wrath on the children of Israel. One of the goals of your service is that I would, God is saying that I wouldn't have to pour out my wrath on these people anymore. God's heart, you guys, some people think God is a big boogeyman up there looking to smash the bad people. Like he can't wait to just whack them and lightning bolt them and get them, you know, but that's not the picture we get when you really study scripture. God is saying here, look, I'm putting you guys in place, priest, so you can intercede for them and share with them and offer sacrifices for them when they mess up so that I don't have to get them. Levite, you're going to take care of all the practical things so that everybody can be in a right place. Things can be the way I want them so that I don't have to pour out my wrath. It reminds me of 2 Peter 3, 9. Where God says that he's not, you know, slack concerning his promise to, to return. He says, but God, is, he's not slack. He says, but he's long suffering, not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. The reason I'm taking so long is I'm long suffering. I don't want, I want people to go to heaven, right? It's not my heart that people would die and go to hell. That's not his heart. So I'm always careful when I do speak on hell because it's in the Bible, but I always am careful. Now, I don't ever want to make it look like God is excited to send people there. Because I've heard hell preach like that. And if you, you got to send you straight to hell. And it's like, no, that's just not his heart. I won't, I won't preach it like that. Um, you know, I know God's heart is that because you're still living and breathing. He would love to rescue you. He would love to apprehend your heart, save you. And God would love to take you out of darkness and bring you into his marvelous light. That's what he, that God's about rescue. He's not about, but, but hell is there. And so if you won't have Jesus, you will have wrath. And so the same is true here. God is saying, look, I put these things in place that I wouldn't have to pour out my wrath on the people. And so another another thing for us to consider with our ministry. And again, I see a similarity in the ministry in the church that us serving in the church, us using our gifts in the body of Christ. That's one of the goals that the goal is that as time goes on, there'll be some people 
that are not going to meet God in his wrath because we're using our gifts here. I can look over the history of our church and there are people that are in our fellowship now that when we met them, they weren't saved yet. They weren't going to heaven yet, but now they are. It's not just me. It's a whole collaboration of things. There are people that other people in the church led to the Lord and brought them with them. And there's a whole lot that goes on. There are people that are working paperwork, doing bulletins, cleaning bathrooms, setting up chairs, setting up sound, preparing messages. There's happens in the kids rooms, happens in the youth rooms. It's everywhere there. But when you look at the whole body, everybody doing their part, somebody, I brought my friend so they can come hear it. And that's somebody, somebody doing their part so that, that this person doesn't endure the wrath of God. Someone over here helping clean up so there's a clean place for people to come and be welcome and all the different pieces and parts that are happening, the end result. And that's our goal, right? Why are we doing all this? Why is setting up, tearing down, putting this, doing that now? Why all that? Because there'll be some people that are going to make it into heaven. There'll be some believers that know Jesus better. There'll be some people that as they're taught the word, they're going to glorify God more fully as they come into a fuller understanding of who he is and what he did for them through the teaching of the word. And there are going to be some people that come into these doors They come into the doors going to hell and they leave out going to heaven. There isn't a bigger miracle than that. And whatever that costs, I'll pay it. I'll pay it over and over and over again to see people come from darkness into light. And so God says, here, you guys get to be a part of that. He told them. And I'm saying to you guys, we also get to be a part of that. But I'm challenging you guys, make sure you're a part of that, right? Make sure you're not a spectator. My son is playing basketball. He made the little junior high basketball team. And they, it ain't looking real hot. <laughs> you know, they got a little, their squad is, you know, it is what it is, you know. So I'm sitting there watching. And, you know, I'm a dad. You know, I'm like, man, I, I'm looking and you want to see them do it. You know, you want to see them get it and go. And, and I'm looking at these fellas out there and I'm saying, man, you know, <laughs> I'm looking at some bodies. I'm like, if I could just put a heart in that big old body, you know, it looked like the kids with all the heart are tiny. And then the big old kids are like, here, my elbow, <laughs> just like this, you know. And I, as I watch them, I'm thinking, man, if everybody was doing their part, right, if the kids that are big play like big kids, the kids that are fast were doing it, you could still, this could work. You, it could all be put together. Now, you're, I'm out there observing. I'm like, that kid should be here, that one here, that one, somebody need to pull him aside, talk to him, coach him up a little bit, make him a man, put him back out there. And, and then, then we have something to work with. You, we got a frame of what to work with. But if we don't get all that stuff going, it's just, it's going to be a rough season. It's going to be ineffective. And as I was thinking on that, right, thinking on us, and it's, it's so true within the church. In the same way you can look at a group of kids and say, man, that kid has such potential. He's so big and tall. If he could only play strong in the middle, you know, he could, he's taller. He, he would do good at this thing right here. And as you look at the body, you'll see people like, man, I see this person with that gift, but they just won't sell out to use it for the Lord. They won't, their heart's not in it yet. And you're looking and you see the potential and it's the most frustrating thing in the world. I'd almost rather somebody have no potential and be sorry. And you just can feel sorry for him. Like, you poor, you need, to, you need to play pool or something, you know, but, uh, you know, then to see somebody with all the potential, they just won't walk in it. That's frustrating because it's like, man, you're that piece, you know, you, but you won't play your part. And so, again, I don't say that to put anybody down. I say that to build everybody up, that we all have a part and we all want to, man, be, do your part. Be the part you're supposed to be in the kingdom, in the body. There won't be anything more fulfilling than that. And there won't be anything more lame than you sitting on the bench with all the gifts and abilities to help your team in an area that they need help. 
and you're watching them lose game after game because you won't get off the bench and do your part, right? In the kingdom of God, we want to play our role. We want to do our part. And it's not a game. It's bigger than a game. But we want to do our part. Amen? That's all we have time for today on The Transforming Word. Thanks for tuning in. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of Numbers, and we pray that it's been eye-opening for you. In this book, you see how God dealt with sin and disobedience in the Israelite camp, but you also get a sense of how God delights in obedience and a soft heart. The people then were no different than people today. It's all human nature, plagued with the curse of sin, but God didn't leave their side, and He remains by your side today. So if you're ever in doubt about God's goodness, faithfulness, or steadfastness, be reminded that God cares about you, loves you, and is there for you. We hope you continue to learn more from the book of Numbers, and we encourage you to read ahead on your own. If you're interested in listening to additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you can find them on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. We'd be happy to meet you too. If you live in the Inglewood area or happen to be passing through, come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at calvaryinglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person. Then you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is calvaryinglewood.org. Before you go, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as part of our listening audience, and we pray you continue to look to Jesus. Thanks again for joining us, and be sure to catch our next edition of A Transforming Word.